is a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on February the 18th, 2008. It's been one of those uh, lovely Arctic days here with freezing rain last night and then lots of ice this morning and I found you can do lovely ballet pirouettes coming down hills in a truck but that's, uh, that's a thing a lot of people experience up this way. And eventually it'll be spring, one of these fine days, these months, in fact, because it's April when spring comes here. And then it'll be back to mud for a while, and then some dry land for a few months. I think everyone's looking forward to it. I'll be putting up links at the end of the show to do with something I've been talking about over the last few years. And it's to do with the government bill that passed that allows them to test chemicals and biological agents on the public as long as it's done under the guise of research. I'll also be putting up another link from the, to the government website, that is too, and also put up another link to a patent that was filed for spraying the air with metallic particles and oxides to supposedly reduce global warming and that was filed back in 1990, US patent 5003186 but I'll put those links up at the end uh, actually on my website after the show and you can go and look for them yourself I don't really think it's got anything much to do with global warming because over the last almost yeah, 10 years now since the spraying got heavy, I've noticed, and so have many other people, that when they spray heavily, especially in the summer, uh, the, it intensifies the heat. Which makes sense if you've got billions of tiny particles of reflectors uh, not allowing uh, the sunlight to, to simply bounce, get absorbed by the earth, uh, and the rest would get reflected from mountains and so on, and rock. But other, it's really just bouncing it back and forward like billions of tiny mirrors back and forth towards each other. And that's why we have that tremendous warming that's going on. But however, they've got to convince us we're getting global warming so that they can take all our rights away. Because in a world system with world government, when there's no more enemies, once they've eliminated all possible enemies, and everyone has standardized from China uh, right around the world into the same system, then they have to find either enemies within, which would be terrorism everywhere, and under your bed, the red under the bed, or it will have to be something to do with saving the planet. We're all at war to save the planet. We're battling nature and ourselves. And that's really what it's all about, long-term planning by very gifted con men who are psychopaths, basic psychopaths. And if you study psychopathy, everything starts to fill in and it fits into place.
psychopaths who are inbred down through the centuries become the elite inevitably in a muddied system. Money is the key. They accumulate wealth because they run the big uh, uh, merchant systems. They eventually run your legal systems and everything revolves around money. If you study economics too, they will tell you that, that every nation builds all of its laws, all of its laws, civil and criminal laws, around the economy. If you get put in prison for murdering someone, it's not because they care you murdered someone, it's because you removed a taxpayer. I'll be back with more about this after the following messages. and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Newcomers should always check into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and you can download lots of previous talks that are done over the years on this particular topic of the supposed New World Order. This simply is an upgrade of the Old World Order into the next phase, all planned that way by big professional institutions. Look into Alan Watt's Sentient Sentinel, and download the transcripts you can get in different languages of Europe. You can print them up and pass them around. And they are going around the world pretty good. They're flying. People around the world are waking up to what's happening. Not en masse, because the masses will never really wake up. They never have really been conscious. They adopt their opinions. They adopt their attitudes. They adopt their styles of dress, their mode of behavior. And they even adopt their hobbies, those things which are permissible and are pushed to them by the culture creators at the top. That's just the way it is. However, the good news is that society can be deflected off in other directions by the few who are aware and can point it out to the big boys at the top that the king has no clothes. And we can see them stark naked. Carl Jung and his books has been a good source of information on the psychology not only of the ones at the top but the masses who follow he tends to show you how the mass man thinks and that the war down through the ages isn't simply about a dominant elite or a dominant minority who certainly do know how to manipulate the masses by altering your perceptions they understand your, your computer brain language you might say and they bring you to what you think are your conclusions. But he also goes into the followers, the sheep, the big herds of sheep. And the shepherds and the sheep couldn't really do without each other. That's the problem. The masses don't like anything that really is different from themselves. That's been standard down through history as well. They like you to conform. Every big group wants you to conform to their particular system. And in The Undiscovered Self by Jung, on page 58, he talks a little bit about this problem. He's talking about the, the battle between the individual and the mass organizations. He said, it is time we asked ourselves exactly what we are lumping together in mass organizations. 
and what constitutes the nature of the individual human being, that is, of the real man and not the statistical man. This is hardly possible except through a new process of self-nourishment. All mass movements, as one might expect, slip with the greatest ease down an inclined plane represented by large numbers. Where the many are, there is security. What the many believe must, of course, be true. But what the many want must be worth striving for and necessary and therefore good. In the clamor of the many, there lies the power to snatch wish fulfillment by force. Sweetest of all, however, is that gentle and painless slipping back into the kingdom of childhood, into the paradise of parental care, into happy-go-luckiness and irresponsibility. All the thinking and looking after are done from the top. To all questions there is an answer, and for all needs the necessary provision is made. The infantile dream state of the mass man is so unrealistic that he never thinks to ask who is paying for this paradise. The balancing of accounts is left to a higher political or social authority which welcomes the task, for its power is thereby increased, and the more power it has, the weaker and more helpless the individual becomes. Wherever social conditions of this type develop on a large scale, the road to tyranny lies open and the freedom of the individual turns into spiritual and physical slavery. So that's basically it summed up right there. The masses have been trained too, mind you, by other people who run institutions who understand what Young was talking about here because they understand the psychiatry or the psychology or the psychodynamics of people because they've been studying people down through many, many, many centuries. And they know how to exploit us all. And they know our weaknesses, our Achilles heel, and they exploit it. Find the weakness, exploit it. And that's already happened. Socialism, you see, which really is what this is all about, this democracy. Socialism, it doesn't matter if you call it democracy or fascism, it's all the same movement towards the same goal, control over the mass man. But socialism is perpetual childhood. If you look around you today, and I've talked about this before, it's very, very difficult to find people of a good age who have any wisdom to pass on. They're generally no different because they've been brought up with the television. They're part of the television era and the fun have fun era. They're no different really from the younger ones. They talk about television all the time, what programs have watched or what's popular in the news today. Or they watch the trivia too. It astounds me how they read the trivia, the little fascinating parts about talking to plants and stuff like that. That's what their heads are full of, but they've no wisdom to pass on because they didn't have any sentience in their entire lives. Sad thing, but it's true, it's happened. There are very few real characters left out there in society People who used to live away from the rest of the public, who did a lot of reading and thinking, and came to completely different perceptions on what was happening in the world around them, because they thought for themselves. You'd be surprised.
surprised how many of your thoughts and your opinions and even your likes and dislikes are given to you. You've simply been downloaded with them. Now that's how bad it really is. Now we've got a caller, Brian from California. Are you there, Brian? Hi, um, it's Brianne. Brianne. Yeah. Um, I, I just had a question. I heard you in another show talking about the color pink. And I was wondering about it, what, what you knew about it. That's your color? Yeah, the color pink. You, I, I, I thought you were, like, nickering about it because, um, I don't know, the, the, all the women now are wearing pink. And uh, is that something significant? Um, well, you, well, you will find that down through many centuries, the higher organizations that run us with, because they're well-educated at the top, uh, and even the lodges, as they call them, the lodges, there's various lodges, there's red and black and blue and so on and green. Yeah. Uh, they also have in-betweens, it's a spectrum of the rainbow. And if you look at the spectrum of the rainbow, every color and variant of the colors has a particular meaning in the supposed high occult. It's really a form of language that they use amongst themselves to have a little joke on the public and also to tell each other what they're doing. I mean, everyone knows, for instance, that red means danger and stop, you know? And uh-huh. green is always safe to go. Uh, that's, that's the sort of thing that they joke about. But they also mean um, it, it's, there's a blending between, between two systems. It's like orange. You look at the colors that make orange, and you'll find that uh, uh, the orange lodge uh, is a certified lodge, uh, given their charter, and also has the queen basically as the titular head of it. Uh, And of course her family goes back to the House of Orange back in Holland. And you have the Hague, which is on the land of Orange. And we even saw that uh, that thing that happened, and it was in Czechoslovakia, one of these countries, Hungary, where they had the orange banners for their politics. Uh, These are all languages that you see used around you, but most of the public never twig into what it's all about. But if you study um, and get the old dictionaries and go through the colors, they often tell you what they generally stand for. Uh, It's like uh, red and, uh, and black, and also black and brown are the traditional colors of fascism. Oh. You know. So wow. each one has a particular purpose, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I see. Um, I had another question, too. I was wondering about um, democratic schools like Summerhill in, in England. And yeah. um, uh, the, the children go and they don't have to go to classes. Um, they, they get to do what they want when they want, and they have a say in the... Um, the, the government and um, the the teachers don't get to make any rules that the kids don't pass. And um, I was wondering what what you thought about those. Well, I do know that uh, the students that come out of there are snapped up, often oh. by uh, higher universities, and they're snapped up by organizations. The big institutions snap them up. Uh, Even under the guise of freedom, you can be surprised how your mind is actually being shaped into Uh. a form of consensus building. 
because wow. everything in the higher institutions, and including the United Nations, is to do with internal consensus. And so they snap these children up. The sad thing even about homeschooling is, and you often hear it, they get the best uh, spelling marks and, and uh, marks on, on literature and so on. They're way ahead of the rest on history and various other things in the sciences, but they're snapped up by, by governments very quickly because they are so well-educated and they tend to, to become um, a part of the bureaucratic establishments. Wow, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's unfortunate, yeah. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, I just, I have a one-and-a-half-year-old son, and, and I just wasn't sure what I should do with him as far as schooling. I thought that a democratic school would yeah. probably... Yeah, hold on, and, and we'll talk about that after the, the break. Hi, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And we've got Brianne on the line from California, who's asking about the different kinds of schools, like the, I guess, the Montessori and so on. And, yeah, yeah I've also found people who've gone to these schools um, are often helped into the, the lodges. You can understand in this system, it truly is run by, by lodges, what they call Masonic-type lodges, right down to your local level. If you go outside any town or village, just look at the signs that are up there welcoming you to all, all the organizations in that particular town. And even in Sudbury, where I live, there's a, a massive uh, billboard, uh, just like a, a, a regular uh, transit board. Uh, it's the first board you see, and it's about 15 or 16 organizations uh, of the different types of Freemasonry, Eastern Star. Well, these are the people who run all the boards and institutions in that particular town and your town council and your educational council and everything else. Yeah. And it's the same everywhere you go. Well, they pick them also. They're, they're encouraged to leave from the Montessori's and so on and, and join these lodges. They're told it helps you get up the ladder. And I have known people who've gone up and even gone into professor Johnson as professors who never actually sat to any major examinations in university. Mm. So, yeah. But they joined the lodges, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, do do you have any suggestions of, of, I mean, should should I just homeschool my son? You can homeschool, and I'll tell you, it's not, see, educability is easy enough the best people who simply learn by rote are just yeah. good pirates. What you have to teach them is moral responsibility as well. That isn't taught today. Oh, uh, in yeah. school, everything's taught. There's no, there's, everything's more, uh, relative. There's no moral uh, uh, rights or wrongs. Everything is moral relativity. And they're easy meat then for the shysters at the top to take them under their wings, bring them to higher bureaucracies where they simply feed off of the public. Uh, so you can teach them the rights and wrongs first to yeah. themselves because ultimately you only have your own integrity to stand yeah. up for. Once you have that, then you can help other people. And, and holding on to your own integrity is not easy in a world of commerce. We were forced to earn money. We're forced to pay. We're also told what we're supposed to want. So you have to, to live kind of frugally and decide what's really important to you. That's not taught to children anymore. They want them to be good consumers and producers, and because of that, 
with no moral guidance whatsoever. They're taken under the wings of, the, of what they see are the winners, the big men with the suits and ties and briefcases who live very well, and they want to feel special. They're brought in, they're told they're special, especially if they come from these particular types of schools. So uh, moral responsibility and integrity uh, is something to teach, and, and you hope for the best from there on. Yeah, I see. So basically it just it doesn't even matter where I send them to school? It's far better to teach them at home than put them into the ordinary school system. Yeah. Uh, in fact, once you put them into the ordinary school system, it's like Bertrand Russell said, uh, the, the scientific indoctrination, it wouldn't matter what you try to teach your own child, it wouldn't sink in. Uh, oh. The school is too powerful. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, it's funny. I've I've been listening lately, and I've I've been uh, I'm, I go to an online university where where they're just teaching us about um, B. F. Skinner again and again, yeah. and you know celebrating him, mm -hmm. and and I I brought up things like well he kept his daughter in a box for two and a half years. And people make up excuses for it all the time. Well, it tells they, you where their minds are. I mean, yeah. the, the elite type and, and the psychopaths aren't just at the top. They're certainly congregated there because the, their breeding produces psychopaths, not so much yeah. at random. But there's a lot of psychopathic people all, all around you through society today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to find people that aren't, um, actually, so. I know. I know. It, yeah. Um, well, I I'm going to to order your books, but um, I just um, I just had a, one last question. Um, what What do you think about Jesus? Was Was he real? It's only up to the individual to figure that out. Yeah. You, you see, any truth or reality or experience can only be valid to the person who has it. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I, I, otherwise you're learning some. You're taking something on someone else's word, um, yeah. and and that's what that's what they call faith. Then you have faith that they're telling the truth. You yeah. Know? So any experience from anything or any reality has to only make sense to you as an individual. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, so I guess all you can really know is what what you see with your eyes, or and what you experience in life. Yeah, what, so, yep. yeah, I see. Okay, well, thanks. thanks for calling. Yeah, thank you. Take care. I've got Mark from Pennsylvania. Are you there, Mark? I am, Alan. Yes. I have a question and an observation for you. Mm -hmm. Algebra in school. Everyone in my family always talks about why do they give us these courses that no one's ever going to use, and I think I might have figured it out, and with your confirmation we'll, we'll see yeah. is it possibly to find out who's ready to become a mason it's possible that but it also tells you other parts about the person's mind because because again um, algebra is to do with abstract concepts you do within your mind primarily although you can also show them uh, on diagram or on paper uh, so it's to do with uh, the way that your particular mind perceives and thinks as opposed to other people. Hold on. We'll You're listening to the Republic the Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting to the Matrix. Talking to Mark from Pennsylvania. You still there, Mark? I am, Alan. Yep, I asked you about the connection between algebra and becoming a Mason. Yeah. It's not so much about becoming one. However, um, it's noted very early on at school, who, the ones who can get their minds around uh, the abstract concepts in algebra where you convert the numbers into letters, etc., or any symbols at all for that matter, is, is to see if you are adaptable uh, to, to concepts. Most people can't. They, they, they're not so good at it. They, they tend to stick to one way of seeing things only. And those who can adapt uh, also, as a double-edged sword, they're also showing that they can have their minds molded by those who know how to mold them along a particular path mm-hmm. because of their ability for adaptation. So, does that, so obviously they're not giving us algebra to help us further our uh, no. money-making ability. In no, life. as you say yourself, I mean, how many people actually use it once you've left school? Right. It, it's, you know, you just never use it again for most folk. Uh, but it's a, it's a weeding-out method. Uh, so much is taught at school uh, for irrelevance, but there's also other things which are taught especially to do with mathematics, to do with your ability to adapt along different ways of viewing uh, a particular problem, whereas most will get stuck in one pathway. But those who are adaptable can actually have their minds molded uh, into the kind of way that the elite want them to, in fact, eventually. And all the way up the lodges as well, they're tested. Most folk will never go beyond the 32nd degree. Most folk don't go beyond the third, the major or master mason. But, but uh, uh, even above 33, it's, it's not to get the 40th degree uh, that life begins. Life begins at 40. And then those ones who've been weeded out for certain abilities, mainly ruthlessness, and if, they can, if they're very streetwise and see through a con very quickly, that's the kind of guy that they want. To get off the street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of molding and uh, people with short-term memories, I'll end with this observation. For those who are concerned about gas prices, I've taken the Bureau of Labor Statistics numbers for the last 11 years, and for the exception of 2001, when, of course, September 11th happened, gas prices decreased every election year. So much for that being tied to the price of oil. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Have a great night. We don't need algebra for that either. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah, everything in this system is a con. And uh, the streetwise ones at the top. See, one thing a psychopath has is the ability to see immediately through a con mm-hmm. himself. Uh, whereas the ordinary person uh, can be so convoluted it takes you to get your mind around it. Then you'll say, my goodness, how clever. How are these guys see it immediately. And these are the guys who run the money system, the banking system, your advertising systems as well. I was just told about one great con that works in hospitals in the, the U.S., and that is that everyone generally in the lower hospitals gets all the same food, doesn't matter what ward you're in, tuberculosis, uh, uh, medical, whatever. Huh? Um, and uh, the trick was that when you go into the cardiac wards for your heart, uh, they get, you get a cardiac diet. It's the same food as everyone else is getting for that day, only they take out, the, they don't put the salt in, so they save on salt and they charge you twice the price of price because they call it cardiac <laughs> diet. But see, that's your typical psychopathic con. Well, I was going to keep this short, but I'll, I'll mention one more thing. Uh, the last caller had mentioned Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
and um, I know what these Jesus freaks are doing to you. I read the message boards, as you might know, yeah. and I'm really ticked off. This is a definite campaign for those who are new to you who are listening. They're constantly calling in and asking what your thoughts about Jesus is, and you're dead on, mm-hmm. and it bothers me. There's, it's a belief system. Now, oh, yeah. if they want to believe it, that's mm-hmm. great. Let them believe it. But to sit there and slam you mm-hmm. because you're talking about your belief about Jesus and their belief about Jesus is ridiculous. It is. You see, it's a mass organization again. And last week, I, I quoted a bit from Young, too, who put it very succinctly. And he said, in fact, I'll read this little part again. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from page 56 of The Undiscovered Self. It says, the churches too want to avail themselves of mass action in order to cast out the devil with Beelzebub, the very churches whose care is the salvation of the supposed individual soul. They too do not appear to have heard anything about the elementary axiom of mass psychology that the individual becomes morally and spiritually inferior in the mass, and for this reason they do not burden themselves over much with the real task of helping the individual to achieve a metanoia, or rebirth of the spirit, it is unfortunately only too clear that if the individual is not truly regenerated in spirit, society cannot be either, for society is the sum total of individuals in need of redemption. I can therefore see it only as a delusion when the churches try, as they apparently do, to rope the individual into a social organization and reduce him to a condition of diminished responsibility instead of raising him out of the torpid, mindless mass and making clear to him that he is the one important factor and that the salvation of the world consists in the salvation of the individual soul. Not, some, not a mass thing with rituals and dogma. It's, it's, and, and that's all they're bringing you into is a social organization will, where everyone will approve or disapprove of you. Religion's a wonderful business to be in because they sell you nothing. And you give a, a lot of money to the organization. It's yes, and the governments, of course, back it because it keeps people tax docile free. and obedient. And tax-free. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for calling. Have a great night. I've got Tom in Massachusetts. Are you there, Tom? Yes, Alan. How are you today? Not so bad. That's good. I just had a couple of questions for you, if I may. Um, I was listening to one of your broadcasts quite a while uh, that was uh, presented quite a while ago, back in July, I believe, of uh, 07. And in it, you had mentioned uh, the existence of evil. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering, do you consider this an actual existing entity or a force that's, uh, that has its own power behind it, as opposed to something that's just directed at someone in the form of, a, of an evil action by one person to another? That's a difficult one, because... Um uh, it's like the end of Exorcist 3, the movie. It's quite a good, a good movie for, as far as thrillers go and horrors go. Um, you find that the chief uh, character, George C. Scott, who's a, a hardened detective, uh, is facing supposedly the devil incarnate. And the devil says to him, have I helped your disbelief? And he says, oh, yeah. And he goes in a tirade. He says, I believe in all the filthy, rotten things that people can do and and how they slaughter each other and kill and torture each other. He says, yeah, I believe in you. So it's very easy to believe in evil in this world because we see so much of it as finding the good that's a problem. Uh, Can people actually be evil? Absolutely. There's no doubt. Can you have mass evil? Well, when you see an army 
uh, going in to slaughter people, which they do. In all wars, people go in and they have killing zones, and anything that moves, walks, or crawls is killed. Uh, and it's your boys and everybody else's boys from all countries that do it, all done through the ages, and they're just uh, taken over. It's like the Rwandan massacre, where thousands of the, the, the Hutus went on the rampage with machetes, and for a week and a half you heard nothing but the, but the slicing of, of human flesh as they slaughtered like an army of ants, mass, like a mass possession. There's no doubt uh, that there's evil exists, and, it can, and whatever it is, it can certainly take over vast quantities of people. And when you're on stage too, um, with some of the top bands that have been in the past, uh, you can see the power that you can have, and even in music, and it can be scary at times when the screaming starts, like a chorus, and especially with the women, they go into it first, and, and it's a, something takes them all over uh, in a form of hysteria, and that could so easily be tipped one way or the other into a rampage. So you see the same uh, thing that happened in Rwanda, uh, simply on another level uh, in the West, uh, at, an, at all things uh, a music festival. So, so there's something that can take people over. Is it simply archetypal, the primitive man or woman that still exists within our psyche? That's up for grabs. But have I seen evil? I've seen it. Have I witnessed it in people? Absolutely. Um, did it make the hair stand on the back of my head? Yes, it did. Um, so people can come to their own conclusions on that right now. Yeah, because the reason why I asked is it seems as if uh, uh, evil, particularly as manifested by the elite of the world, uh, has been manifested for thousands of years, mm -hmm. and it doesn't seem as if good predominates at all. It's more or less a losing battle uh, because uh, evil holds sway, and it's almost as if this force of evil is directing this work. Uh, towards the eventual uh, culmination of the, uh, the establishment of the New World Order and its completeness. What I found, which was interesting along that line, is what's called today the New Age philosophy of, of relativity. And I, there was a documentary about a party in Hollywood with the top sci-fi and horror writers, all the well-known names, and uh, the question put to each one in turn of these producers and writers and authors was, do you believe in good and evil? And every one of them gave the Kabbalistic answer, every single one, exactly the same. Uh, they tried to describe it like a line or, or a balance, and that uh, the good and evil was all the same force. It just depends on human um, perceptions or judgments on the outcome whether someone benefit or benefited or didn't. So in other words, to them, there's no good or evil. And you're quite right. Um, they are at the top from a psychopath's point of view. It's good if it benefits them, regardless of how they got to that stage of, of benefiting. If it took wars to do it, slaughter, introducing plagues in countries, whatever it took to get that land, the diamonds, that gold, whatever it was thereafter, uh, the end justifies the means and they sleep without sleeping pills at night. They sleep very well. They have no conscience. So if there's the epitome of evil, it definitely resides within the psychopathic elite. You're quite right. Uh, the other question I had uh, is, because we're being inundated with all of this uh, uh, genetically modified food, the fluoridated water, the chemtrails, now aren't those uh, elite also affected by this, or do they uh, more or less 
uh, stay within their buildings, which may be highly filtered, or their homes, or, or what? Yeah, they, they, even their shaft-driven limos are specially made with filters, etc. And the same goes for their homes. They don't eat what you and I eat. Wherever they go across the world, they eat in special clubs. They call them clubs, you know, like, like London's full of them. Oh. Uh, very elite, expensive, and the food comes from, from the best organic uh, uh, farms. Same with the meat and all the rest of it. They don't have, uh, they don't eat the stuff we do. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, I appreciate your help with these uh, two questions, and uh, I look forward to continuing to listen and uh, appreciate all the uh, help you've given uh, given out. Um, and uh, may you continue on to help everyone. And thanks for calling. All right. We'll see ya. Yeah, I was interested with a, a documentary on the Queen who was having a huge party for lots of her relatives. And it's now or two's documentary on all the staff that they bring in, extra staff to do this big, big party. Gold plate, actually gold, um, cutlery, gold plates, everything were all used. And lots of butlers and maids and waitresses. And they even flew RAF jets across Europe trying to get special bottles of wine for it and so on, very expensive. And... Uh, it came out there. They even saw the chef going up to Scotland to the Queen's farms. They have farms all over. All royalty and nobility does. They have tenant farmers who run their, their farms for them and pay them peanuts, by the way, and that they grow all their own crops and have the best Angus steak and so on, but nothing is given. Um, uh, no, no beef there has had seen any inoculations or been pumped full of steroids and growth hormones. And the food, the crops are unmodified, genetically unmodified. So, no, they don't eat what we eat at all. Now, we've got Garen uh, on the line. Are you there, Garen? Hello, Alan? Yes. Yeah, I, I, speaking of that show, I, if not the same show, I, I saw a show on that, just that same thing about uh, the British royalty, and uh, this is not, wasn't that what I was originally calling in, in about, but... Just talking about that, and they were talking about this whole, you know, the food preparation. They were going through it like, oh, this is uh, how the the royalty, and when they have an event, this dinner, and and uh, you know, they all the people involved, and the, how the food is prepared, and everything. You know, it's, I don't know. Yeah, they even brought French polishers in before the party to do all of the big, massive tables. Oh yeah, it was, and, and yeah. they brought them in back again once it was all over to redo them again. Yeah, it was just this total extravagance. Yeah. Um, but what I was calling in about is um, this striking similarity about um, Freemasonry, which, of course, you know, goes way back to the Kabbalah and uh, ancient Babylon and ancient Egypt. But um, in, um, in Freemasonry, you have degrees which people are initiated into and I can't help but notice the striking similarity of uh, colleges and universities where they have degrees, basically. Oh, well, it's the same thing. Sure, it is the same thing. Albert Pike said that everyone in the Western system who goes through school is, is, is de facto a Freemason who simply hasn't had their final, final um, degrees. Because you're trained in a Freemasonic system of education, you're graded, you go through grade school, same as a degree, you see. And, yeah. uh, and you get that little silly square hat, the hod you put on the top <laughs> yeah. with the, 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 the defunct tassel that shows that you're stupid now. 
uh, and uh, <laughs> it's not standing up, it's lifeless lopping down, and they've just approved that you're stupid enough to get to work in their system for them. Uh, that's what it means. You've the quality approval stamps been put on you, and you've been dumbed, dumbed down enough to work for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. Yeah, and I, I remember um, reading about that about the uh, graduation caps and being the mortar square. And yeah. it's like, wow, these people do it. They do it out in the open, and it's like they're making fools of us. They, it's like they enjoy. They do. They, they love to mock the profane, uh, as they call them, and they do it all the time. You'll even get it in news clips and so on as the, the writers um, have a little joke there for, for other people of a certain degree, and the rest of the public don't see it as that at all. They read it in a different way completely, but this is standard with them. Yeah. yeah it's, it's really amazing. And then on the topic of people, um, you know, in the election cycle down here in, a, in America, uh, I, was, I was reading this other article about pointing out how these people that are supporting, this was uh, specifically towards Obama supporters, and how they 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 just mindlessly chant these mon- mantras that of uh, we want change and these types yep. of things. But when you ask them what types of change yeah. do you think Obama will bring, uh-huh. they they can't answer. No, all they can do is it's, it's like George Orwell's sheep, an animal farm. Uh, four legs good, two legs bad, and that, that's as far as they think. Uh, that slogan was brought, brought by the advertising companies, and you're quite right. Uh, hold on, we'll talk about this after the messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, and we're just... Uh, talking to Garen from Rhode Island about this uh, wonderful Masonic system of ours. And uh, anything else to add, Garen? Well, yeah, I was uh, just finishing up on that topic of people uh, are so easily trained to just buy in to a theme, to a persona, without substance, really, anything of substance being behind any of the things that they support. I know. You you know, years ago, Canada first came out with this uh, uh, just do it slogan for keep fit. Uh, And the ad always ended up with uh, just do it. Don't think, just do it. Uh, Participation or participation, they called it. And at the same time, they came up with the idea of change is good, change is good. And as you say, they didn't come out and tell you what change they're talking about. But you just get the masses going along with wanting change, and then, then the big boys will tell you what it actually is once you've all given your consent to it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just this feel-good message that people buy into because it, if, if, for that reason exactly, because it feels good. It just feels good saying That's we right. want change and without really having any uh, thought or, no or substance reason to it. No. behind what and, and no explanation. See, most folks' beliefs and what they think is induced beliefs. It's propagated into them through repetition, as Bertrand Russell said, just repetitive uh, advertising, and people start parting it in their daily lives. And it actually is, it's actually changing the, the structure of their mind into acceptance of something they don't even perceive yet. You know. 
Yeah, they're programmed. Yep. Well, that's it. Thanks, Alan. Thanks Alan. for calling. Yep. Now I've got Paul from Niagara Falls. Are you there, Paul? Hi, Alan. Hello. Hey, I just wanted to wish you a happy family day. Oh, I noticed that. Yeah, we've got happy family day now. I turned on the, the radio here this morning on a Toronto radio station, and they were trying to explain what this new Canadian holiday was about. Yeah, it's to merge with the, the President's Day so that when we merge together, we've all got the same holidays. Yeah, it's called uh, Harmonizing Holidays, I think. I think so. And yeah, it's interesting it's that it came out just, just when they banned the use of, of, of mum and dad in the British schools. You can't say mum and dad anymore. It's hilarious <laughs> listening to them trying to tell people what it was all about. A brand new holiday. just yes. happens to fall on the same day we have a holiday. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And you'll find that, too, when you trace both them together, Victoria Day, Labor Day, and so on, uh, they're all getting towards the same dates. That's what they're shooting for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's how it is. Unbelievable. Hey, there's a new book out called Red Republicans, Marxism in the Civil War and Lincoln's Marxist. Yes. Walter Kennedy. Oh, good, good, because I've quoted often the fact that uh, from the U.S. congressional records uh, that Marx congratulated Lincoln for keeping the republic together because the first step towards uh, a, a, a further wor- world system was centralization of power. And that's what, of course, they did. They were centralizing power in Washington, D.C. All these original republicans were kicked out of Europe after the revolution of 1848, the League of Just Men. Oh, yes, of course. A bunch of communists. That was, yeah, and it's so funny because... Uh, Albert Pike uh, helped train some of the leaders of that particular league. Yeah. They're all a bunch of generals in the Union Army during the Civil That's War. Right. That's right. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for calling. Bye. Bye. Well, from a cold Ontario where we had an ice storm this morning, I was chipping ice off the satellite dish. And from Hamish and myself, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.